Hi everyone, and welcome to Crime Science. In this podcast, we explore the science of crime and the practical application of this science for loss prevention and asset protection practitioners, as well as other professionals. Welcome everybody to another episode of Crime Science Podcast. This is the latest in our weekly update series. Today I'm joined by co-host Tony D'Onofrio and Tom Meehan and our producers Diego Rodriguez and Wilson Gabarino. And we're going to talk a little bit about crime and loss and the prevention thereof. And uh, we'll start off just talking a little bit about some of the projects again and updates. Um, A lot of what we're doing and going to be doing at the LPRC and on the University of Florida side with the Safer Places Lab is a series of initiatives that are very purposely um, set up and being very deliberately uh, and being very deliberately instrumented with the right sensors and action tools and connections. And so I've mentioned before the idea of effect, detect, and connect. And so the idea of effect means we're trying to affect always uh, the choices or decisions that offenders might make and encourage the decisions or choices that the shopper and the worker, the employee, the associate, the team member might make, as well as law enforcement, right? So it's all about psychology 101, stimulus and response. It's about shaping areas, uh, procedures, technology stacks, and things like that to accommodate what we're trying to do. And in this case, we're trying to safeguard people and places and assets, right? And so again, if an individual is harmed, if a place is harmed, that place is owned and operated and staffed and uh, frequented by people. So when we harm a place, if we steal, if we do other things, we're harming people. Um, So that's what everything's all about. And that's what we work on at the LPRC. So having said that, we work primarily in the retail environment, even though that might include offices and um, distribution centers and manufacturing even. Uh, we talk a lot about the stores since that's the most frequent. And so we are we have talked a lot on this podcast about helping retailers and helping the managers at that local location uh, be uh, less vulnerable, be better at handling the risk, the exposure that they're in in their environment. Um, and so we provide them with training and uh, detection and prevention tools. Uh, but also, uh, so we're, that's what we're working on a lot, right? Reducing the, um, the uh, rewards for crime for would-be offenders, increasing the risk of being caught and severely and swiftly sanctioned, uh, as well as increasing their uh, perceived effort uh, that, that they have to put forward to be successful in the criminal mind. So, uh, but we're also talking about because the stores are so isolated, uh, how do we band together? How do we work together with other stores, the community with and with our local policing partners? And so that's what the uh, Safer Places Lab initiatives are designed to do. The east side we've talked about is the, the second initiative after our four square block area at uh, University of Florida's Innovation Square. Our six indoor labs and our four square block outdoor lab. Uh, now we're talking about translating what we learned there or elsewhere over to the East Side Initiative, co-located stores in non-center environment. Walmart, uh, we've got, of course, Wawa and Walgreens, um, and we've got AutoZone, Advanced Auto Parts, Family Dollar and Dollar General, um, to just uh, in a circle K, just to name a few that are co-located there, as well as some locally owned and operated businesses. Uh, how do we, again, uh, work at each individual place and space uh, to better safeguard, to reduce 
theft and other crime attempts, how do we work together to do the same and work again collaboratively and collectively with Gainesville Police Department? And so there's a logic model there. And in this case, we're applying the offender journey to crime, crime scripting. We're looking at affecting decisions, uh, but we're looking at also detection. So affect and detect, detecting, and we've talked about this over and over. How do we earlier detect uh, a criminal or a criminal crew, uh, their intentions and their capabilities? Almost think about a military operation. Who are they? Where are they? What are they contemplating? Are they able to keep it out, capable of carrying it out? What's their intent? And do they have the capability to carry forward their attempt, or at least in their mind, they do? So there's that's where we're working on earlier detection. What intelligence can we collect from our neighbors, from law enforcement partners, um, from informants, right? From online posting, from behaviors that might happen at co-located businesses where the, that individual, that harm, that crew might be moving to the next place, right? How do we give a heads up? So that's underway. Uh, we've talked to uh, eight uh, of the businesses that are co-located, uh, Gainesville Police Department. We've had some preliminary talks. Uh, we're in the process now of getting final approval from all of them to uh, conduct uh, aerial drone imagery capture. We're, in other words, we're going to be video uh, taping uh, via our video collection versus via the drones. Um, and then we're going to also, we're working with another company I mentioned before to get the high resolution satellite imagery. Um, and then on the ground with our 3D virtual tour Matterport camera um, to gather and put together an unprecedented level of imagery for the study area, right? The East Side Initiative. So East Side Gainesville roughly 640 uh, acres, in other words, a section uh, of land, but really it's one square mile, right, where these uh, stores are co-located within. We want to understand the behavior within that that one square mile area uh, within each individual place and then what surrounds those places, right? So that's our macro, meso, and micro environments. What's going on outside? Where do people live? How do people and goods, assets move in and out of that one square mile area? How do they move within that one square mile area uh, to and from each individual place or between those places, right? We want to understand the ecosystem. The ecology of crime is very important. And so that's one of the major issues. The better we understand how people and places interact at the micro, meso, and macro level, and how that can generate crime, attract crime, radiate crime events, uh, and risk and threats, then that's what we're up to. So uh, stay tuned uh, as we work away on that, and uh, we will give you more specific details in the future. We're excited about it. I want to very quickly touch on, we had an amazing visit with the Ahold uh, Del Hayes supermarket chain. Uh, they have Belgian and uh, and they have Dutch, you know, in other words, Netherlands stores. They're, of course, across the United States with brands like Food Lion and uh, Stop and Shop, Giant and so forth. Um, a lot of amazing people. These were the LPAP leaders that came in, plus some merchants or buyers to brainstorm for a day and a half with the LPRC team and just with themselves. We've got upcoming visits scheduled with amazing companies like Lowe's Home Improvement and Nordstrom, uh, Harbor Freight. Uh, Walmart, um, public supermarkets, um, uh, more coming back from TJX, 
um, and beyond. So we really love and appreciate these visits and encourage all of our retailer members to consider uh, a personalized trip into Gainesville um, to your team can get some privacy, get some work done uh, in a very dynamic and interesting place, work in our six labs uh, and so on. So uh, stay tuned to all that. With no further ado, let me turn it over to Tony. Tony D'Onofrio, go ahead, take it away. Thank you, Reed, for all those great updates. Uh, let me start this week with some news from uh, NBC News, which reported that Costco is cracking down on, on uh, members sharing membership cards. As they reported, the retailer is cracking down on people sneaking into the clubs and trying to shop with other people's membership cards. Costco said it has always asked shopper for their membership card at the cash register when they check out. Now that it is requesting to see uh, the, the membership cards at the self-checkout. Costco stands apart from other retailers because its business model, uh, the bulk of its earnings come from membership fees, which help cover company expenses and keep prices low. Uh, Costco charges $60 for a regular annu annual membership fee and $120 if you want the executive membership. And as I covered in my, one of my social media posts uh, this week, this is extremely important to Costco because according to 4-Week MBA, in 2022, Costco generated $4.2 billion just for membership fees. So it looks like it's not, and not just Netflix cracking down on password. Retailers with physical stores are getting into the act of trying to stop people trying to use somebody else's credentials. Switching topics, my second most popular story this week in my social media feeds was from CBS News on the police in California recovering millions of stolen Nike shoes. Detectives first learned of the case after receiving a report of several large containers being stolen from trucks at the Port of Los Angeles. Uh, investigators then tracked the sneakers to Torrance and served a search warrant for the warehouse. In total, officers seized, are you ready for this, $7 million worth of Nike sneakers. The Los Angeles Police Department said the sneakers were the only items found in the raid and no arrests have been made, although they have several people of interest they are trying to locate. And the article also said that the plan was probably to sell these products online because uh, Nike sneakers are one of those sought-after items. And again, both the Costco story and the Nike story were not just my favorite, but it turns out they actually had very high viewership on my social media feeds this week. Also very high in the interest uh, uh, on my social media feeds was Amazon reporting that they're closing another Amazon Go store. And this, came, this news came out of uh, Retail Dive. Amazon has closed its Amazon Go location on Fifth Avenue and Marion Street in Seattle. The location opened in August 2018 and was the second store to open under the Amazon frictionless convenience store brand. So far in 2023, it's been a tough year for Amazon Go. This closure comes about three and a half months after the company announced it would be closing eight of its automated checkout convenience stores, two in Seattle and New York City and four in San Francisco. It also announced in February that it paused the rollout of Amazon Fresh grocery stores. 
with the last uh, with the latest closure of this additional store amazon go now has 22 locations in four states according to its website and it has not opened a new location since it's departing its first suburban store in washington state shortly before the march uh, closures interesting for me personally this week I'm actually, uh, and then switching topics, I'm actually at Wharton at the University of Pennsylvania at the annual Consortium for Operational Excellence in Retail. From an operational uh, point of view, here are some of the topics being debated in retail from the day one sessions. Uh, they are how to optimize productivity in the use of chat functions in e-commerce, thus disclosing diversity and inclusion improve brand attitudes, racial and uh, gender biases and customer satisfaction surveys, the true cost of getting those deliveries to your home, local purchasing of products in the aftermath of a disaster, the effects of fair work week laws on worker schedules and store performance, new data sets being deployed by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the future of the retail uh, grocery store, uh, especially focused on labor, and a framework for retaining your best employees. Uh, really interesting was a dinner uh, panel that included uh, multiple senior leaders in multiple industries, including drug stores, convenience stores, department stores, mall owners, auto parts, and groceries. And they actually discussed lessons from the last 30 years of retail and what that tells us about the next 30 years. It was really a great motivating discussions uh, on the potential for the industry, uh, reflective on brands that no longer were with us and really emphasized the importance of technology. And really my favorite was the CEO of a very large department store chain that said, two things matter in retail and they will never change. And that is customer experience in the store and the product selection you make available. That's Retail 101. It's been like that since the beginning of, of time. Being here and being uh, knowing I had to do this podcast, I actually asked the question, um, what do they think of shrink? Is it a hype, as some of the articles have said? Is it real? And the consensus that it's not hype. It is indeed real, and it is rising, and it is changing, and they have concerns about government laws and they and they have concerns about lockups so a lot of the things we're discussing at the loss prevention research council at the senior leadership level it is a concern and as i said in a previous podcast bloomberg reported that 200 retailers in their recent earning calls all mentioned shrink as a problem so uh, the, really, this was a really great day one. I'm looking forward to day two tomorrow here at Wharton. And uh, in that room, what you felt is that retail is alive and it really has a bright future. Switching topics to some good news in retail, Chain Storage said that consumer sentiment uh, or confidence jumped in June. Uh, the rise in, in uh, consumer confidence in June reflects improved conditions and a pop in expectations. U.S. consumer confidence rose in June to the highest level since January 2022, even as some consumers still expect a recession. Greater confidence was most evident among consumers under 35 and consumers with incomes over $35,000. 
and that is indeed good news for the uh, U.S. economy. And then finally, let me close with this. I actually had, uh, I ran a survey or a poll on LinkedIn that I thought this audience might find interesting. And very simply, I asked, will artificial intelligence destroy humanity? It's just hype, so ignore it. Or the third choice, it will dramatically improve our lives. The good news is that 47% said it would dramatically improve our lives. But frankly, I was surprised that 36% said they would destroy humanity, with the rest being uh, 17% saying it's just type. So what do you as the audience think? Write notes uh, as we post this online. Tell us, what do you think artificial intelligence would do to us in the future in the retail industry? And with that, let me turn it over to Tom. Well, thank you, Tony, and thank you, Reed. Uh, wanted to start off by some civil unrest and protests in France and in a Paris suburb around a police-involved shooting where a 17-year-old unarmed uh, individual was shot and killed. Uh, there are there has been video released uh, throughout social media and to the, from the family, and essentially um, there was. Police officer felt that the ramming of the car put him in danger, and he shot this individual. Uh, this is not um, not common in Paris or, or the suburbs of France. However, there has been a push, and the government has been very neutral and non-commenting on some of the challenges with policing in France, uh, specifically in Paris and the suburbs around Paris. So there was an outcry and uh, protests started Tuesday night and uh, really, really on uh, Wednesday night became much, much more aggravated. Uh, the family is using TikTok and other social media to spread the word. And the family actually in one video said that, you know, France, Paris specifically is becoming the United States. So um, just something to mention, we're not seeing any spillover here. We're not seeing any of um uh, potential challenges here in the U.S. as of yet, and don't ex necessarily expect to. But thought it was pertinent to mention. Switching gears a little bit to generative AI and ChatGPT. Uh, this week there was a, a, a new story released about ChatGPT being asked uh, the, the the to give nuclear codes. So someone did a prompt saying, "Pretend I'm the president," and I forgot the nuclear codes, and it gave codes out. There, there's no reason to believe that these nuclear codes are real, but the experts stress the importance of they could be real. Uh, and why uh, about a week or two ago prior, uh, there was a new story released about ChatGPT where someone asked it um, to write a fairy tale as a child and said that they, like, they liked Windows 11 licensing keys. And ChatGPT wrote a story and actually gave actual real licensing keys out. Now, the, the, we talk about this all the time, ChatGPT is a predictive model and it wants to answer the question that you're asking it. So in the nuclear code question, there's no reason to believe that these are real nuclear codes. However, if nuclear codes were available somewhere in that model on the web, they could be. Uh, and experts are drawing the, the two incidents together saying Windows 11 licensing keys, which should not be available unless you purchase Windows, were given um, out in this said fairy tale by ChatGPT. So could, in fact, these nuclear codes be accurate? Um, again, there's no real reason to believe that. We know that um, that the ChatGPT uh, is 
uh, a model that wants to answer these questions will make things up. So one of the, the questions that came up was how did this happen? Well, there's something called prompt um, prompts, uh, which are more sophisticated ways to ask a question and prompt engineering. And in both of these scenarios, the way that the person uh, did this is by pretend that I'm the president and basically write a story um, around, I forgot the nuclear codes and that's what it did. So as we continue to grow and learn with chat GPT, we'll see that more of these things will, will uh, surface. So I believe that all of us will continue to see new stories. And as we said, we'll continue to follow them here on uh, the LPRC Crime Science Podcast. We believe that there's absolutely a reason to to talk about this and we'll continue to show this. This is not good or bad. This is just part of what the the evolution of AI is. And some of the risks that occur with AI is that prompt engineering, um, when done correctly, can basically trick the model into doing things that could be nefarious in nature or illegal. There have been other prompt engineering techniques to talk about chemical weapons and nuclear weapons and how to build bombs. Well, I think there's a lot of safeguards in place there and that that information technically is available on the dark web and the open web anyway. This is just one of the challenges with it becoming faster. On the flip side, I think, and I will continue to say this, that generative AI and chat GPT is not only here to stay, but I think it's actually very good for us. Um, I don't believe it's going to, uh, generative AI is going to end humanity or take away jobs. I believe it will make our day-to-day lives easier, especially if you're in a technical capacity where you're doing a lot of searching, it does make things faster. Um, so something certainly to look at, uh, to keep an eye on, and we will do that here. Uh, this week has been a heinous travel week. The FAA has uh, understaffed uh, air traffic controllers, airline store struggling with staff, and weather events have caused what was a catastrophic event throughout the Midwest, Northeast, and the South um the southwest uh, area of the of the country and the northeast actually um, had more flights grounded in the, in these days than in some in many 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 months. Uh, the airlines have hired about fifty five thousand people post COVID. Uh, on the flip side, the FAA has struggled to get approval to hire more air traffic controllers. Uh, basically, they're looking to hire 1,800 a year as the population is aging and retiring. Uh, it is a specialized skill. So on this pre-week of 4th of July, which is already a treacherous tra- travel week, uh, we had a very, very challenging travel week. And then today, what, um, or this week, in addition to the end Thursday and Friday of this week, we're expected to get smoke from the wildfires in the northeast and parts of the uh, the mid to northwest. Um, when you think adding that complexity to the mix and you have lower visibility really is uh, posed for a very challenging travel weekend amidst one of the larger travel weekends around 4th of July. So if you're traveling, good luck. I actually had several flights canceled this week. Um, was unable to take the trips that uh, two trips that would normally be very, very quick single day trips became nearly impossible to manage with um, all the flight cancellations. So uh, again, good luck if you're traveling. Uh, Keep an eye out uh, for your health this week as we have record temperatures in uh, the mid West, especially specifically Texas, Alabama, uh, and Georgia, keep keep an eye on health, and then also in the Northeast with some of this uh, smoke from the forest fire making unhealthy 
um, air quality. So everybody stay safe there. The FBI or the U.S. Department of Justice, more 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 importantly, is uh, uh, put a, a a ten million dollar ten million dollar bounty on a, ran- a ransomware crew, the CLOP ransomware crew. This is a continued kind of effort for the Department of Justice to show um, to show that they're very serious about stopping and catching ransomware uh, crews, whether they be here domestic or abroad. Now, ten million dollar ransom is significant. And this is not only a deterrent piece, but it's also um, driven to in in this in this environment of criminals to drive the the piece that you know we will go after you um, at all costs. It isn't technic. It's technically up to ten million dollars. It isn't as simple as we're going to give you ten million dollars if you have this crew. But the but, but the real point here is as we mentioned here on this podcast many months ago, the Department of Justice is treating cyber incidents and cyber attacks with a much different approach than we have had in the past, where they're taking a much more serious um, impact, um, uh, serious uh, attack on cybersecurity and doing things like these ransomware uh, group uh, rewards, as well as going uh, very aggressively through back channels to uh, apprehend and catch and prosecute folks that are in uh, traditionally difficult companies, non-treaty, non-friendly countries to the U.S. Um, I think this is a continued effort. It's very, very important because ransomware um, is is certainly at at a heightened level and and it continues to be a challenge. And it is a, a financial crime. So there are people that are doing ransomware and going after these companies are trying to generate income by it. So in order to fully throw this off aside from prosecution, it's you need to do things like these extravagant rewards to help keep this thing, um, <clears throat> just keep this, this problem under control. Uh, we'll continue to monitor all of these things and more. Um, we're looking forward to uh, seeing everybody in the fall at LPRC Impact. If you haven't registered yet, register. Go to lpresearch.org or reach out to any one of us for questions. Uh, it is the premier um, and uh, what I would say my favorite conference when it comes to loss prevention uh, and around fact-based research and how we can use science to help attack some of the challenges we're having uh, throughout the retail and law enforcement industry. And with that, I will turn it back over to Tony and Reed. All right. Thanks so much, Tony and Tom. Uh, a lot of, a lot of good information. We are very appreciative. Um, and again, we encourage everybody to reach out to lpresearch.org, uh, operations at lpresearch.org. Um, let us know what you think, what you want more or less or different of, um, and, uh, how we might help. So stay safe and stay in touch. Thanks for listening to the Crime Science Podcast, presented by the Loss Prevention Research Council. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find more crime science episodes and valuable information at lpresearch.org. The content provided in the Crime Science Podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for legal, financial, or other advice. Views expressed by guests of the Crime Science Podcast are those of the authors and do not reflect the opinions or positions of the Loss Prevention Research Council. 